Sons of Saturday Hoops Pod. Another extremely successful week for Virginia Tech basketball. Both the men and the women had fantastic weeks. And Mike, for the first time ever, the Hokie Hoops Pod is brought to you by a sponsor. And our sponsor is Wedgwood Marketing. Wedgwood Marketing is a proud Hokie-owned digital marketing agency based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, the home of Pat Finn. And our results, their results-driven starting lineup of marketing services, including SEO, Google, and Facebook ads, are the key play for growing your business in this digital world. Get your free marketing audit today at wedgwoodmarketing.com. That is wedgwoodmarketing.com. Wedgwood picked a great week to start advertising on this podcast, Mike, because the Hokies are rolling and the Hanhurst practice facility is popping. Uh, the women's team is phenomenal. We will touch on them in a little bit. Uh, but let's start things off with that 77-49 to 49 win over Dayton, a Dayton team that Virginia Tech lost to a year ago up in Dayton. Um, I was at that game. I went down. I day-tripped it, went down just for Wednesday night, saw us play the Flyers, got L-Rods while I was in town. Saw Pat and Billy Ray. It was an awesome time. But, Mike, go ahead and give us your thoughts on that Dayton game. I mean, it was the Grandpa Zilly breakout, right? I mean, he's been really good all year, but it, that's what it was. I mean, Bazilli dominated this basketball game 23 and 10, hit four threes. He was 9 to 17 from the floor. Dayton had no answer for him, like flat out, just did not have an answer for him. Um, Justin Mutz just was a total non-contributor offensively. He had a really good defensive game. But Basili just did plenty to really pace Tech early. And I just thought Virginia Tech had a really nice performance um, from Sean Padula and Darius Maddox, right? Um, you know, we've been talking about, okay, if it's not going to be Mutz and it's not going to be Basili, in this game it was Basili, but if it's not going to be Mutz and it's not going to be Basili, like can the Hokies get enough out of Padula and Couture? to offset a rough night from somebody else on the offense. Right. And in this particular game, it was, it was Justin Mutz. I just think Virginia tech was in a spot here in this game where they were just better prepared against Dayton. Right. This was a game that the Hokies clearly had circled after the way things went last year. Didn't go particularly well on the road, sleepy Sunday game. It was a one of one of several really tough non-conference losses for tech you could tell the Hokies didn't want to have this happen again, right? And they come out and they played extremely well from the jump, pull out to an early lead and just blow the thing open. And it was a really satisfying performance. I thought it was Tech's best all-around performance so far this year. And they kind of left no doubt, which was satisfying. Yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of an absolute beatdown. And what I, it the things you notice when you're in Castle versus uh, watching on TV and the the first thing I noticed was that when Dayton came out for warmups, they were really, really big. And I was like, wow, they've got some really big guards. And then, no, I realized that two of their better guards were both on crutches on the sideline, not playing in this game. Uh, and that kind of showed throughout. You know, Dayton had a hard time handling the ball. Um, they did not shoot very well whatsoever from, from the field or from three. They shot 30% from the field and 20% from three. So, uh, Dayton was definitely a little bit shorthanded, but I thought Virginia Tech did a really good job coming out and asserting their dominance, sticking to a game plan that was pretty clear. And for Grand Basilia, this game was personal. Uh, coming from Wright State, Wright State is in Dayton. I know there's a little bit of a rivalry there between Wright State and Dayton on the basketball court. Uh, and he was phenomenal all night. The pick and pop between Sean Padula and Grand Basilia has been something that has worked really well for the Hokies all year. And this one, Grand Basilia, uh, he was even pulling up those guys in his face. He, he, this one meant something to him. You could tell um, all night long. And I love that you talked about Darius Maddox. I thought he 
showed signs of breaking out of his little skid that he's been in to start the season. Uh, and he continued to show really good signs in the Oklahoma State game that he's working through it and getting there. And he talked about Sean Padula. Sean Padula has been awesome all year long. Uh, and through this point of the season, you know, would probably be Manny's uh, first team all ACC guard, one of the guard selections for that position uh, at this point in the season. He had 19 points with one turnover, played a really, really clean game. Uh, looked in control all night. And then you talked about Justin Mutz, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, Justin's been in foul trouble both in this Dayton game and then was again in foul trouble in the Oklahoma State game. So at one point I looked up at the, at the scoreboard in Castle, and we were up by like 26, and Justin Mutz hadn't even scored yet. And I was like, wow, what a what an offensive showing this has been from the Hokies. So uh, Grant Basile was fantastic. He you know, hit four threes. He had double-double uh, in a game that cl- clearly meant a little bit of something to him. Sean Padula was great. Uh, Darius Maddox was slowly starting to break out. And I thought Virginia Tech did a really good job of handling an an inferior opponent uh, in a very, very uh, dominant way, I guess, is the only way I can really put it. It, There wasn't really there's not really much to talk about from that Dayton game, uh, which is a nice problem to have. So after Dayton, Virginia Tech went up to Brooklyn, a place that last year, obviously, there's some really awesome memories from right with the ACC championship. But before the ACC championship, Virginia Tech played in Brooklyn and struggled a little bit against Memphis. Um, so it, it's a place that Virginia Tech has some really good memories. Uh, and it showed that I thought they played a really good game up up in uh, Brooklyn against Oklahoma State. Um, a, a, t- a team that was probably the best they've played so far this year, especially when you consider that Armando Baycott didn't play in that North Carolina game. Uh, Oklahoma State's a good team. They're obviously familiar with Coach Young and what he does, being that their head coach was on Coach Young's staff at Wofford. Um, so this was one that I would look forward to all year. I unfortunately didn't go. I, I wish I had gone because um, it, it looked like a really awesome environment and a cool place to play a game. But I thought Virginia Tech did a really, really good job weathering a storm against a very athletic and talented Oklahoma State team. Yeah, I mean, this was a game where, you know, I thought Virginia Tech obviously played well early. Um Second half, Oklahoma State went on that run. The first four or five minutes of that of that second half were not very kind to Virginia Tech. They were yeah. cold offensively. Oklahoma State was hot. Um, they, they they were making everything. Um, it, it was just it, the lead evaporated quickly. You know, to start that second half, and all of a sudden, you could tell Virginia Tech was going to be kind of in for it. But the the thing I really like about this Hokies team this year is how they've closed games out. The last four minutes or so of that game against Oklahoma State, I thought the defense was fantastic. Um, Tech's defense on the final two really key possessions for Oklahoma State. They come up with two steals. They get points on the other end. I thought that was really important. Um, Sean Padula did not have his best shooting game. He was 6 of 16 from the floor, but he was the best player on the floor for stretches of this game, even though he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well. And that's a theme, right? Like Virginia Tech is – in a position right now where they can have multiple guys not be on top of their game from a shooting standpoint, but still dominate the game in other ways. I thought Padula was really, really good. Once again, um, Hunter Couture seven of eight from the free throw line, nine really quiet points, but he hit some key free throws down the stretch to kind of put this thing away for Virginia tech, Basili and Mutz, another very nice complimentary one, two performance underneath. Melijah Petit gave tech huge minutes in this basketball game, especially in the second half. He's making all sorts of free throws at the line. He was perfect, six to six, had six rebounds, um, played played very well defensively. 
so I, I thought this was a complete team win for Virginia Tech. It wasn't always pretty. You know, Virginia Tech still isn't shooting the ball particularly well, right? Um, I think they were, what, 9 of nine of 27 or 9 of 26 against Dayton from three. They were 7 of 20 in this game from three. Like, Tech is still not shooting the ball well from deep. And this is a team that has a million shooters. And Rodney Rice still hasn't played yet this year. But the guys who have played, like Basili pretty good three-point shooter. Padula, pretty good three-point shooter. Kator, pretty good three-point shooter. Darius Max, pretty good three-point shooter. They're not making a lot of threes right now, right? And I think once this team starts hitting threes, this is going to be a different animal offensively. Tech's a very good team offensively right now. They have potential to be a great team offensively if they start making threes at the clip, I think a lot of us would expect to. Because when you look at this, Ed, it's not even like 35% against Oklahoma State is actually not that bad when you consider like what this team probably will average out, it's probably going to be somewhere around, around 40%. I think for the year tech's going to be a very high volume. I think by the time the season's over a high efficiency, three point shooting team, even though they're not there right now, but like anywhere between like 37 and 40% from three out of this team, I think for the volume that they're going to shoot is going to be reasonable, but tech's not even doing that on a night to night basis right now. I mean, it was 35% against Oklahoma State. It wasn't that bad. Like they didn't shoot it, shoot it great against Dayton. They haven't shot it great from deep and a lot of these other non-conference games. And yet tech is still sitting here at 10 and one as a top 25 team. We'll get into that in a second. They're finally ranked. And this is a team that's going to be really dangerous in the ACC because of the ceiling. I think they have offensively that they haven't really tapped into yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll, I'll first talk about Sean Padula in this game. Uh, this one was personal, too, as a theme tonight. Grand Basile, that, that Dayton win was personal for him with his ties to the right state and the, the city of Dayton, Ohio. And then this one was personal for Sean Padula, a guy from Oklahoma playing against Oklahoma State. Uh, this year alone, Sean Padula has beaten the other two teams on his final three when it came to recruiting, Minnesota and now Oklahoma State. Sean Padula has knocked them both off this season. Uh, he was really, really good in this game. Like, he shot 37%, which, you know, is not not great, not terrible. This is just a decent shooting night. But everything else he did in this game was phenomenal. 16, five rebounds, four assists in 39 minutes. Mike, how many minutes are in a basketball game? That'd be 40, Ed. Yeah, Sean Padula played 39 of them and had one turnover. Uh, ask any coach in the country if they would take that line from their starting point guard, and they would say, Absolutely, yes, and twice on Sundays. And Sean Padula was so good in this Oklahoma State game. Another guy you talked about was Melaja Poteet. Uh, Poteet was everything you could hope for from a bench four slash five, whatever you want to call him, whatever you want to classify him as in college basketball. Played really good physical defense. Uh, the stretches of this game where Virginia Tech struggled, I thought they were getting out physicaled under the rim giving up a lot of second chances to this Oklahoma State team, which was that's that's part of who they are. That's kind of their identity. So it's to be expected to an extent. But the insertion of Melagio Poteet in the second half in particular really, really helped curb that uh, athletic offensive rebounding style that Oklahoma State was playing with and what got them back into the game. He had eight and six in 15 minutes of play, which is a good amount of play for a backup big. And like you said, he was six of six from the line. I mean, if you're going to be a big bruiser, you're going to get fouled a lot, and you've got to be able to capitalize on that. And Poteet has shown the ability to be a really good free throw shooter, which is not something I think a lot of us saw coming into the season. Darius Maddox had 
a couple threes that he knocked down. One of them, unfortunately, his toe was on the out-of-bounds line as he rose up to take that shot, which would have been a huge one in that game. But then he came back down and hit a big one later on from three, which is a nice thing to see from him because he's struggled from behind the arc all year. He's been great inside the arc, but he's struggled from beyond the arc all year. So hopefully he's found something there. It looked to me like he was getting a little bit more lift on his jump shot. looked like he was getting higher off the ground, which would make a lot of sense considering his success. Um, because before that, I felt like he was hitting the front of the rim on everything. And in this game, he was able to get a couple to drop, which was huge, ultimately coming down the stretch in this five-point win over a, a solid Oklahoma State team that coming into the night, we were ranked kind of neck and neck in every analytical stat you looked at, Ken Palm and others. Uh, we were right there with with Oklahoma State, and we were able to not dominate this game, but I felt like we were in control for most of this game, you know, probably of the 40 minutes. It felt like Virginia Tech was in control for maybe 32 of those minutes. Um, and overall, I think the big reason that Virginia Tech was able to win was not only that one turnover from their primary ball handler who played 39 minutes, but in total, the team only had 10 turnovers, winning that turnover battle 10 to 17 by Oklahoma State. So those seven turnovers obviously – pay huge dividends in a five-point win, right? So uh, that was a huge win. You know, Mike, we had talked about going into this stretch of games where you had Minnesota and North Carolina, Dayton and Oklahoma State. You know, we would have all been really happy with three and one. Well, guess what? Virginia Tech's four now in that in that stretch. And they now only have one more non-conference game before the start of ACC play with that non-conference game coming up against Grambling next week. We'll talk about that in a, a little bit in a second. But Virginia Tech sits at 10 and one. And currently are ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll at number 24. Uh, they're 24 in the AP poll. They've ju- they've climbed all the way up to 28 in Ken Palm, 27 in the net. So Virginia Tech finds themselves towards the end here of conference play, having had a or non-conference play, excuse me, having had a really really productive first you know two months of the season. This is like total opposite of last year, right? Where yeah. I feel like the analytics and, and I, you know, tech was struggling to keep their head above water and non-conference play last year, losing a lot of tough competitive, hard nosed basketball games. A lot of the analytics still liked Virginia tech, but the product on the court just wasn't there for the first couple months of the year. The product is there right now. And I don't think tech is playing their best basketball either. You know, they're not playing bad. I think that, I think this is a very good team. We've, we've made that clear, but I think there's another level they can get to that they haven't reached yet. And I think even with that in mind, you know, they're still one of the 25 best teams in the country. Um, 28th in Ken Palm, like you mentioned, 27th in the net, 24 in the AP poll. But I think this team has a, a top 15 type ceiling. Yeah. Um, Sports Illustrated said this on a podcast actually um, on Sunday mentioning that, you know, if Virginia Tech hadn't lost to Charleston, right. I mean, they make one more basket in that game. Tech would be 11 and 0 right now in a lot of people's top 15, right? Which I think is a fair comment. Um, that loss to Charleston, and Charleston's a good team. That loss to Charleston kept Virginia Tech out of the top 25 for basically two and a half weeks. Um, you win that game, you're probably on the fringe of the top 25. Um, and if you're undefeated right now, you're, like Kevin mentioned, you're probably in the top 15. This is a Virginia Tech team that's really, really good right now, and they're not playing their best basketball. So I think there's another level they can get to defensively. I mentioned three-point shooting. There's another level that they can get to there. You still don't have Rodney Rice back, which I think is going to be really important as we get into conference play. And Sean Padula, you know, isn't totally worn down. I mean, 
awesome that he played 39 minutes against Oklahoma State, only had one turnover and played as well as he did. Probably not awesome to see him have to play 39 minutes every night. Um, you know, I watched Devin Wilson when I was in college when Tech was not very good. Devin Wilson was literally the only guy who could handle the ball on the entire team, so he was playing like 40 minutes a game. It was a brutal watch, night in and night out. Um, this is obviously a much better team. Padula is a better player than Devin Wilson. Wilson wouldn't even argue that at this point. But, you know, I, I think Tech needs another primary ball handler to emerge, right? And I think Rodney Rice is naturally that guy. You know, MJ Collins has been good, but he's been more of an off-ball player to this point. I know Hunter Couture has has been bringing the ball up, you know, some trying to spell Padula. Padula's moved off the ball some, you know, in these games, which I found interesting, especially against Oklahoma State. You know, I, I noticed they ran a few sets where Padula was off the ball and Couture was actually bringing the ball up the floor. I thought that was interesting by Mike Young. So they're trying to find different ways to kind of make the offense, you know, move as efficiently as possible. I think there are ways that, you know, Tech can still obviously take this unit to another level. Um, and I think defensively, they continue to improve night in and night out. So, I mean, Tech's in a really good spot right now. They already have a quadrant one win. Like Penn State keeps winning. I think that's huge. Yeah. Their only loss of the season is a quadrant one loss right now, right, against Charleston. Yeah. Damn good team. So, it's going well right now, Ed. Like it's going real well heading, you know, in into the back half of December entering conference play. This is you know, this was a pivotal stretch here. We talked about it. Minnesota, Carolina, Dayton, and Oklahoma State. We talked about it, you know, if Tech could go three and one, we feel really good about things. Tech went four and oh. And I was thinking about it walking with Dog during the halftime. I was like, man, Oklahoma State's just kind of hanging around in this game. I thought Tech was playing well. Oklahoma State was hanging around. I was like, you know, we talked about this team going three and one. Right. And even if they were to lose that game against Oklahoma State, that would be the three and one stretch that we were looking for. Well, lo and behold, Oklahoma State makes that run. Tech, you know, finds a way to punch back. They pull out a win. They go four and oh in this stretch and they're sitting pretty at, you know, this is this is looking good for the Hokies. Yeah, I agree. There's a bunch of things you touched on there that I want to talk about really quick. So the Sean Padula thing. The kid has had a phenomenal year. Like by every measure, like so to this point, he's playing all ACC level basketball. But 35, 38, 39 minutes a night is not sustainable for anyone. Um, which I think the Rodney Rice thing, which, which I, we've probably talked about every single week at this point, you know, when's Rodney back? It seems like, Mike, there's a good possibility that by the next time we press record, Rodney Rice will have played a basketball game whether that's against Grambling or against Boston College, there's probably a good chance that by the next time we record a podcast, Rodney's played a game. I'm sure he'll be on some sort of minutes restriction. There's no shot he's going to be at full speed. And a kid is a true freshman coming into his first college game. So I still want to pump the brakes on Rodney Rice, but I see where he solves a lot of problems as a guy who can get his own shot, a creative offensive weapon, a guy who can bring the ball up and handle it well and take some pressure off of Sean Padula. But you talked about Hunter Couture bringing the ball up where Sean Padula is playing off ball. That's been something that the, the staff has utilized this year in order to use Sean's full offensive capability, get him coming off of the screen and have his head down and can go towards the basket because Sean's really good going towards the basket. But another guy they've used to bring the ball up is Justin Mutz. And in both the Dayton and Oklahoma State game, Justin Mutz was out due to foul trouble for extended periods of time. But prior to that, we've seen Justin Mutz bring the ball up 
often. I mean, almost, like frequently, Justin Mutz is bringing the ball up the floor, kind of like how Draymond Green does it for Golden State from time to time, where he'll just bring it up so that Steph Curry can go down in the corner and then come off of a down screen and catch the ball, you know, with a step on his man due to the screen. But James Tech's done a lot of that with Mutz and Padula this year. And it's been really cool to watch. And I think we'll see more of that coming regardless of when Rodney Rice comes back to play. So that's that's that piece that I really wanted to touch on. I, I think we will the Justin Mutz being used as if he's Draymond Green and therefore treating Couture and Padula like they're Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, being able to have them coming off of down screens and catching the ball with a little bit of, you know, a head of steam. That's something that I think Virginia Tech's done a really good job of this year is getting their primary scoring guards the ball in advantageous positions and they're only able to do so because of Justin Mutt's versatility on offense so that brings me to my Mike Young quote of the week which was quote I don't like my life without 25 on the floor obviously 25 is Justin Mutz. I wouldn't like my life without that guy on the floor either if I was a head coach he covers up so much defensively I just talked about his offensive versatility both bringing the ball up get the guy on the block. He'll give you whatever he had against North Carolina 27, some ridiculous number like that. Justin Mutz looks so calm, cool and collected right now in his, you know, graduate year of college basketball that the game just looks so slow for him. And I think a lot of Virginia tech fans are watching him play and it almost looks like he's not locked in, but I really do think the game is just coming really easy to him right now. He's, he's not having to think much. He just knows where he needs to be and what he needs to be doing at all times. Very, very calm. It just looks slow. And he covers up so much defensively. He allows you to do so much offensively. So, yes, Mike Young, quote, I don't like my life without 25 on the floor. I wouldn't either. No, no, definitely not. Um, It's huge that he came back, right? Like, Basile's been great, but it's huge that Mutz came back, man, because – I like what I've seen out of the front court, like depth pieces, the contributors on this roster. You know, we talked about the minutes that Petit just had in the Oklahoma State game. You know, Lynn Kidd, I think, has been playing pretty well in sporadic playing time. So, you know, I like what I've seen out of the other bigs on this team. But without Justin Mutz, man, this is this is looking a bit different for sure. It's looking a bit different. Yeah, I think I, you play this much basketball, it's only natural that it's going to come very naturally. So yes. we've touched on the two games. Obviously a phenomenal stretch. Let's look ahead really quick. We've got Grambling State on Saturday. Or Grambling. Are they Grambling or Grambling State? I think it's just Grambling. I think it's just Grambling. Grambling. Yeah, Grambling on Saturday. Now this Grambling team is one that Virginia Tech should handle, especially in Castle Coliseum. But Grambling has also beat Colorado and Vanderbilt. Now, these are not, you know, top 25 level teams, but they are teams that have good athletes and have had success in college basketball. So Grambling has shown the ability to jump up a little bit, play to their competition level and win some games. I I think this is one where we need to see Virginia Tech come out in the first half and just squash it right away, get out of there with a win in Castle Coliseum and end non-conference play 11-1. and And then after that, we open ACC play. On the 21st at Boston College, Boston College has had a disappointing start to their season. But like we've always talked about with ACC, the ACC is a very good basketball conference. Anything can happen. It's a road game. I look for Virginia Tech to come out in that one, hopefully with a backup point guard and Roddy Rice ready to roll and uh, really start their ACC play, You know, their true start to ACC play 
with a with a solid win up in Boston College. So we've got those two games coming up. We'll probably record after Boston College. I think that's the natural place for us to record next. Yep. Um, it, I, I'm hoping at least that there won't be enough to talk about with the Grambling game to fill up an entire podcast. So we'll go ahead and wait until we got two games under our belt there. Yep. Uh, and hopefully by then we're talking about Rodney Rice. We're talking about Grandpa Silly. We're talking about Justin Mutt's double doubles and uh, an awesome start to the men's ACC play. And real quick before we end, I really encourage anyone in Blacksburg, any students in Blacksburg, anybody within an hour of Blacksburg who's listening to this podcast, if you're not doing anything this weekend, yep, please go to Castle Coliseum and watch the number six ranked women's team. They're nasty. Take on the number five ranked Notre Dame. This They're is a nasty. top ten matchup. Yes, man. They are so good. The Queens of the Castle, Kayla King, Taylor Soul. They've been beating people without Ashley Owusu. This team is so good. They're so fun to watch. And they are the number six ranked team in the country right now, getting ready to take on the number five ranked Notre Dame in Castle Coliseum. So I highly encourage any and all of you within an hour, two hours, even three hours of Blacksburg to drive on into town this weekend and watch our women's team play a top 10 matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this There's no reason for Castle not to be as packed for this women's team as it is for the men's team when they're taking on top competition in the ACC. Women's team yeah. is every bit as good, man. And this is a loaded ACC on the women's side this year. And I, I'm telling you, man, this Tech women's team, this is one of the best teams on paper in school history. They're playing outstanding basketball right now. They're going to be playing some of the top teams in the country in Castle in conference play. They need your support. Get on out there. It'll be worth your while. Mike, that's all I've got. It's been, a, it's been a really awesome start to the season for both programs. What are we, uh, 20 and 1 across 20 and programs one. right now? 20, 20 and, and one. 1. A two-point road loss that is considered a Q1 loss for the men is the only thing holding Han Hurst back from being undefeated. That building is on fire right now. Damn so, good. Awesome start to the year. I'm looking forward to the start of ACC play for both the men and the women. I think I think both programs find themselves in positions that, you know, they couldn't have even dreamed of preseason. I think both teams have done a phenomenal job of taking care of business. And it, it's going to be a really, really fun stretch run here as conference play ramps up. But with that, I'm Ed Williams, Mike McDaniel. Go take care of your son. I'm going to go to bed because I'm old and I'm tired. But go Hokies. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking to you.